Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. I'm Carrie Thomas. And we are here once again with author Seanan McGuire, who has written the Murders at Karlov Manor. I almost said Markov. Murders at Karlov Manor uh, story. Um, it, literally every episode. I can't wait till we get to Thunder Junction and, and I can stop messing up the set name. Uh, Seanan, welcome back to the show. And, and thank you uh, once again for uh, joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm like a cockroach in the walls. You can't get rid of me. Yeah, this is, I think, your third time on here, which might make you the most frequent guest now. I think three is the upper limit. Meaning no matter what I do in the future, I don't have to come back? Uh, Meaning that if you want to hold your title of most frequent (laughs) guest, you have to keep coming back. (laughs) I'm always happy to. Y'all are lovely. Uh, I just need, you know, to be pinged. Uh, much like being a cockroach, unlike a cockroach, I do only go where invited. I I would like to. I like bugs. Broad statement. <laughs> there are a few bugs I do not like because I am a human who lives in human society, and those are mosquitoes and cockroaches. Um, yeah. I appreciate cockroaches. They are unfathomable survival machines of evolution. They are one of the smartest insects on the planet. They are very very cool. Get them out of my apartment. And see, I have two colonies of them in my bathroom right now. Mm. Uh, to, so be, are, to be fair, you put them there. I did. They are less <laughs> unstoppable surviving machines and more Pringles. <laughs> uh, that is true. Uh, I'll have to tell the story maybe off air uh, because it's a little grody about the time I lived in an apartment with four different colonies that we did not invite into the apartment. Uh. Uh, Ooh, simultaneously no uh turns out we killed one of the entire colonies just by turning on the oven and that is not That's, a joke no i can't i can't yep. think about and that right now we can move <laughs> no, along to the you. episode murders at uh delano manor um yeah murders at Carlock manor so you wrote the story uh this time yes. around um it was 10 episodes we loved it yeah it was 10 episodes um, which is actually so let's uh I guess uh just uh get into some of the conversation topics mm-hmm. that, that we had. Uh so uh so yeah, this is your second story, ten episodes. Uh last time you wrote for magic for Phyrexia all will be one, that was a five episode story. We talked a bit about how that constraint shaped, you know, how you wrote. Uh how was it having twice as much space to write? <laughs> I do not honestly think that you could have accomplished what wizards wanted accomplished in this set mm-hmm. half the space that we had. Yeah. Because yeah. in order for it to work not only as a murder mystery, but as sort of an introduction to post-invasion Ravnica and to have mm-hmm. the, the resonance that they wanted, we needed to have time for character work and we needed to have time to slow down and say, you know what? No, Kaya has PTSD. Let's acknowledge that for five seconds. Uh, and and we just we couldn't have, uh, so it was really a big relief. It was kind of like having the limiters taken off of the car. Mm-hmm. The uh, I'm me, so I was gonna say Goku taking off his training weights, but uh, different references for different folks. <laughs> um, yeah, we we got a lot of time. I I think one of the things that really worked for this story length is that. It gave the community a lot of time to sit and speculate about the murder mm-hmm. mystery, which 
in keeping with the genre is like one of the reasons to engage with murder mystery fiction is to play along, play play detective along at home. Uh, and uh, I, I think the longer release schedule because of the 10 episodes uh, really helped facilitate that. I think so, too. No, it was really uh, very clever on Wizard's part. I was initially a little distressed when I found out they were going to drop episode one and then wait over a month before episode two. Uh-huh. But that is because we have a very engaged and enthusiastic community that sometimes will ascribe me powers beyond my ken uh, to everyone. So they're like, why did you delay the story? I, I had people ask if I was just that late. And I'm going, no, no, honey, no. Everything was turned in and locked months ago. This is a decision that was made by people whose job it is to make these decisions. Uh, as, as someone who has been uh, once been accused of manipulating the people inside Wizards of the Coast into writing story that appeals to only me, uh, I am familiar with this kind of uh, yeah. internet yelling. And it is, it is such a small fraction of the community. I'm not saying any... I love the Vorthos community. I love the level of engagement you get. It is incredibly... Ref it's almost like being back in the fan fiction community in terms of the mm -hmm. response and engagement, and that's wonderful. But every community that is more than three people will have someone who thinks you are secretly in control of the entire franchise. Uh-huh. I wish I had the power some people ascribe. <laughs> it, and it really only takes, like... 10 minutes of talking to anybody in the community who knows how the story operates to dispel that. But I don't, I genuinely don't think a lot of the people who make those kind of accusations are really They're as interconnected. In yeah, exactly. Or interested in dispelling that idea in the first yeah. place because it's easier to chalk it up to individual author blame. Yeah, because they can find us. They can't find the Wizards of the Coast marketing department. <laughs> it was a wonderful experience having basically double word count from the go. And uh, Roy Graham, who was my supervisor, you know, on this, fought mm -hmm. to make sure I would have all the words that we needed and that we could actually do a proper murder mystery and not phone it in. Yeah. I mean, it didn't feel that way from the outside. And just with the density of characters going back to like it being 10 stories. I think it would have felt way overcrowded, mm -hmm. even if it was able to be told in five stories. Just you have so much interplay going on. Yeah. I mean, Agatha Christie could tell a good murder mystery in half the space that we had here. Absolutely true. They weren't usually sequels to multiple other <laughs> same cast of characters. Picking up on like four different visits. So exactly. and, and and in fairness, Agatha Christie, a little hard to get a hold of these days. Yeah, she kind of did. Do you know that she used to, she was like an avid surfer? Uh-huh. That's like a fun Agatha Christie fact for people who are listening who weren't expecting a fun Agatha Christie fact for this episode. Was that uh, she was like a big time surfer. She was one of the and first. She married like, her, yeah, she married her hot young surf instructor. <laughs> I Just what? Like, went on a surfing vacation and came home with a man, I want to say half her age, but that may be wrong, but he was substantially younger than her. Was Good like for her, surf himbo, and she married him, and they were very happy till she was dead. Oh. Like with literal no sarcasm, that rules. Yeah, uh, exactly. Good, good for her. Um, so, you know, we're on the subject of Agatha Christie, and mm -hmm. this is a murder mystery, and murder mysteries are 
uh, a very, very well-established genre. There's been centuries of murder mystery stories, um, lots of established tropes and mechanics and things like that. Were you inspired by any specific mystery novels of the past for, for writing murders at Karloff Manor? Were there any things that you pulled from specifically that you were like, this is a favorite trope of mine. I want to use it. So when it comes to murder mysteries, I actually spend most of my time in the cozy part of the aisle. You know, the, these are all murders about cats and every mm -hmm. have fun facts about cats in it. Um, so to a degree, I wrote this as a cozy murder mystery uh, where the fun facts are all about Ravnica. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, today we're going to learn about this guild. Yay! And the recipes in the back of the book will be inedible and might kill you. Um, but in terms of more formal mysteries, I was really thinking Benoit Blanc. I was looking at that and I was re-watching all of Elementary. Mm -hmm. while I was getting the writing done, which is the American Sherlock Holmes adaptation with Johnny Lee Miller and Lucy Liu. Uh, which is one of my all-time favorite Sherlock's. And so I spent a lot of time kind of just trying to write my own Sherlock fanfic without actually doing that. Uh, you know, he's he's public domain now. You could have just written Sherlock Holmes into the story. Um. And then Wizards <laughs> of the Coast would have yelled at me, and then they would have changed Sherlock's name 11 times before the set came out, and I would have had a headache. So Look, I'm they... Wizards of the Coast could just put Sherlock Holmes in the story. Like, there's I'm nothing a stopping I'm surprised that we didn't get a universes beyond set of Sherlock Holmes characters to go with this. You know, the way that we had Jurassic World worked mm -hmm. in uh, Ixalan. That could have been fun. Didn't they tap on that, the Dracula for Innistrad Crimson yeah, they did. Midnight Hunt? Yeah, exactly. So they're, it's not off limits for them as far as creative adaptations. But I think that they wanted to give uh, Proft a little room to shine, and he is so clearly a Sherlock Holmes um, archetype. Yeah. That put him in a set that has even a non-canonical Sherlock in it, he loses a bit of his uh, uniqueness. Yeah. Such uh, as it is. Absolutely delightful character. I adored him. Uh, I, as as a, uh, a murder mystery enjoyer, he is... Uh, a very, very fun take on that archetype. So uh, thank you for that, Sean. And, uh, I liked him so much more than I thought I was going to because yeah, pretty obviously a Sherlock Holmes archetype. Like he's set up to be the smartest man in the room. And it was very important with him that he not be a bastard, that, that he not be mean because he could be, not be insulting people. He's just really autistic and trying to get through the day. <laughs> he, and he's really goofy. Um, and like, I don't, I don't know how to. He, he, he has this confidence where it doesn't come from a place of arrogance, but it doesn't not come from a place of arrogance. Mm -hmm. um, and but it but it leans into the the goofy and the whimsical and not like the rude and yeah. uppity. Um and I and I really like that. I like like he literally breaks the most dangerous serial assassin in Ravnica out of prison to be his assistant and acts like this is just a normal thing that he would do, that there's nothing like weird about it and just goes on about his day. It's great. Mm -hmm. He uh he has a okay, and I, I know this is probably just because Shannon's on the line, but he does in a way remind me of Tyvar in the sense that he is incredibly <laughs> He is incredibly confident. 
and very aware of his abilities, but he doesn't think less of anyone else in the sense that yeah. he might be the smartest person in the room and he knows that, but he also can look at Atrada and go, but you're the best assassin in the room and I have nothing on you. So it's yeah. not like he thinks Atrada is lesser than him. He looks at right. Atrada and goes, you are just as good as me in a totally different area. Yeah, um, exactly. Also, and Tyvar looks in- similar, yeah. Yeah, if, if my entire purpose in the magic community is to make people think of Tyvar, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I mean, we can talk about this a little bit, because Tyvar gets name-dropped in, like, half these episodes. Yeah, he does. Uh, and and Kaldheim gets talked about, and uh, it's very delightful. Um, and, and part of this is your love for that boy. Um, part of it is, like, but also I think you did a really good job of... Um, using those moments to uh explore kaya's mind um yeah tyvar is a character that kaya has i'm gonna use hung out with uh (laughs) ignoring the part where they were like stopping the end of the world a couple times right um you know you know as as one of the characters in the last couple years of magic story that kaya has spent the most time with and yeah. knows the best. Um, and someone who um, uh, he's he's young and naive isn't quite the right word, but like he's he's just really young and she's really experienced. And uh, the way she cares about him is not like not just like personal. There's like there's a there's worry there. There's like he he's he's a weird guy and I want him to be okay and he's my friend and I care and and it it was just all good just great moments um uh how happy were you that you were able to to use Tyvar in that way in this story so if it had been anyone other than Kaya at the center of Mm -hmm. this you would not have seen nearly as many references to Tyvar um but you know as I know we have all discussed people like to say that there were no consequences to the Phyrexian invasion. <laughs> happened, and then it was over, and we forgot that it had happened. Uh, and, and I'm like, no. I mean, for one thing, everyone I know has been working very hard to try and make sure that you see the consequences. People died. Um, from the perspective of a lot of planeswalkers, including, I personally think, Kaya, losing your spark is a punishment for failure. For so many of these people, like, mm-hmm. we don't know, but they're grounded now. The omen paths are not the same. Uh, it's kind of like when they reopened the world after the initial COVID lockdowns, travel was not the same. It is so much less pleasant and more taxing now. And think about going from being able to just snap your fingers and be in the living room of any of the other hosts to having to use the actual transit system. That's, that's going to be torture. You know, so Kaya's got a lot of survivor's guilt as well as a lot of, oh God, my friends are all being tortured. And is it because I got something wrong? What's going on? Um, she knows Tyvar is alive. And if you look at her time with Tyvar, mm-hmm. he's one of the only people that is pretty much universally not asking her to do anything. Like even when they're saving the world, he's just chilling and he's happy to have her there and he's happy for her help, but he's not like, Kaya, without you, all is doomed. She's going, hey, Kaya, you want to go punch a Cosmo Cosmos Wolf? It'll be fun. Well, so he's her uncomplicated friend. And you're showing those consequences. Kaya is dealing with severe PTSD for 
pretty much this whole story and and hopefully for some stories to come i don't have control over you know consistency of characterization but when people have ptsd especially early on it's very frequent that they will try to dwell on the friends that don't cause them stress that don't cause them more upset Mm -hmm. and so for kaya it's just like nope tyvar i know tyvar is okay I know he's fine. I know he still loves me in a completely platonic, I love my friends, don't you love yours kind of way. So he is a safe thing to focus on. Uh, If you redo Karloff Manor to be about Liliana getting drafted to solve murders, you're probably going to have a lot of dwelling on Gideon and Jace. You'll probably also have a lot more murders. uh, Oh, so many more murders. (laughs) So many more. God, that would have been fun. Oh, I I need more Liliana. Lily, Liliana would actually solve the can't Kaya just summon a ghost problem because she can just summon a zombie. Okay, to be fair, she literally does that in the original Shrug <laughs> block. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is how she figures out what happened in the whole Hellvault, Avacyn, Gristlebrand mm-hmm. situation. Um, yeah, it like, worked out great. She solved all the problems of Innistrad. <laughs> <laughs> At least the one she cared about. Uh, I sacrifice, you know? Um, but going back to Kaya and Tyvar, I think a lot of people, when they talk about magic fiction and specifically the web fiction, because that's kind of what the current fandom has been on board with for the last mm-hmm. five to eight years, um, a lot of people want more acknowledgement of characters existing outside mm-hmm. of the main story. And I think yeah. that's like this hit the perfect spot where it's like, yeah, like I, it's not a great sparking situation as far as like the trauma associated with it and how she's using this as like a grounding method. But I like it. I think this is a perfectly acceptable thing to do. And I think just getting this more normalized in magic fiction, like remembering that other characters exist, not calling upon lessons learned every single time in any kind of cliche, like training montage way. But Mm -hmm. like just remembering that the multiverse is a very vast place. And like, while this thing is happening on this plane, like there are still people having their own struggles. And you have your friends, you have the people that you've met before, and they're all still out there. I'd like it to get normalized just so that every time I, as a person who really likes to like, I am the living Rebecca Bloom song. I have friends. I definitely have friends. I like to remember that I have friends and it's okay. And we, we have people that love us and that's important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like it to get more normalized so that every time a character mentions a character who's not on screen, it is not immediately followed by 90 people going, Oh, that proves this character is important. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that's, that's like, like half of the other reasoning for it. I just, the num- sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, yeah, exactly. I just, um, the there wasn't much speculation because Tyvar's involvement in being name checked kind of comes in the tail end of the story. But I feel like if you would have given one more reference early on, then people would have thought it was part of the equation somehow, and that would have um, thrown speculation even more wild than it did end up being. I did get some people speculating that Tyvar was committing all these murders because he thought it would let him get his spark back, and I'm like. Much as I would like Tyvar to have his spark back, I'm pretty sure Boy is the only desparked planeswalker who not only does not care, he may not have noticed. <laughs> <laughs> He's on Kaldheim. He's got all of the different realms to travel to. 
from his perspective, he's still doing the same stuff. He's having a grand old time. He's fine. Um, give me actual control over magic like y'all think I have. And yeah, Tyver will be a planeswalker again because I want more planeswalker cards. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. His, uh, his one from uh, All Will Be One is tearing up some of the, the standard gameplay right now with one of our preview cards. So oh, cool. he's getting a little bit of, yeah. Standard had some wild decks in mm-hmm. it right now. Um, I set is just out, and uh, so so like lists are still solidifying and stuff, and metas are still you know shifting. But uh, there people are experimenting with some cool stuff. I'll just say I have absolutely seen a Tyvar Kel Insidious Roots deck going on right now, yep. and yep. it looks fun. I don't play standard at all. So I have no idea what's going on in standard most of the time. Me either. I I literally learned this earlier today. So oh, cool. <laughs> I just I hope it it brightens your day a little bit to know that there is Tyvar Kell out there with the murderous plot of Tristani uh, wreaking havoc on some people's standard games. Tyvar wishes he could have been in Murders at Karlov Manor just because then he would have been able to punch a tree. <laughs> So speaking of that, having Tristani be like the killer at the end was I I feel like up until and I think I said this on the podcast before, up until like the last couple of episodes before the big reveal, I don't think I saw anyone seriously thinking it was going to be Tristani. Uh, and I was curious. There's like a lot of twists and turns, a lot of clues, a lot of red herrings. Um, were there any without I know you can't say everything. But were there any clues that you think people like initially missed that you thought were going to be really obvious or any clues that you thought were going to be really difficult to see, but people picked up on immediately? There is a reference to the roots of Vitugazi early in. I don't remember which chapter that everyone just kind of ignored, which actually surprised me a lot. I genuinely thought that was going to be the point where maybe we would have tipped our hand. Um, But mostly we were just focusing on trying to keep the plates spinning with all of the different uh all of the different characters not knowing what was going on having a murder mm-hmm. mystery where half of your cast has amnesia is super fun and not at all complicated and doesn't give <laughs> um we did have the luxury so i i write really fast it's actually kind of upsetting sometimes how quickly i write uh and that means that we had the unusual and kind of vexing luxury of having finished all 10 episodes far enough ahead of deadline that I could go through and completely rewrite to make sure that we had all of the clues where we needed them. Mm -hmm. And that worked out really quite well. And it is unreasonable to expect anyone to do that. Um, And it was unreasonable to expect me to do that. And uh, I, I'm a pretty unreasonable person. So it makes sense. Yeah. I am a fairly unreasonable person. It's true. Uh, Speaking of that. Yeah. The, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not you being an unreasonable person and i mean that in the most positive way you can imagine um okay but <laughs> in the sense of uh unreasonably good just totally you released how many books last year i think it was like 11 nine nine it was nine an accident <laughs> which is i think um not just an accident but also just an impressive feat of writing that's incredible uh but yeah you um you work in, you're working on IP work. You're working with wizards. I think we talked about this a good bit when talking about Phyrexia All Will Be One, where there are certain goals of the story, certain things that you have to hit as a writer. And I was curious, um, 
again, you you can't say everything I know, but like, were there, can you talk about how much you were given by the creative team and told like, this has to be in the story and how much you were able to like create independently for this? I mean, obviously the card set is pretty much set by the time they bring story in. Um, so who did it was given to me, who the main suspects were going to be, you know, who the legendary creatures, there was still some evolution going on there, which is why you run into things like Kylox being on cards that technically happen after he's dead. Um, and I was given a guest list for the opening party that, okay, this person needs to be there. That person needs to be there. Uh, I admit I would actually have just cheerfully omitted Krenko from most of the places where he showed up. Because as I said on a different podcast, Krenko's fans terrify me. <laughs> Extremely intense. And they are very likely to seize on literally anything as proof that the author dislikes Krenko. I don't, well, I mean, I do dislike Krenko because there's a guy at my local game store that really enjoys using him to set my face on fire. Uh, but apart from that, I, I don't have a problem with Krenko. He's just not my favorite. Um, so I would have left him out to avoid fan response, uh, which is a terrible reason to leave a character out and is part of why I have editors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of stuff, uh, I did have the freedom to make sure that all our character work was done correctly. I was given the initial, these are our goals for the story. This is what it has to be to match the card set. This is what has to go where. And looked it over and went, you do, you guys gave Kaya PTSD. That was very good. And they went, huh? Yeah. Um, the, the, my, my, my friend Cal says that I'm the emotional tricorder. You bring me in when you actually need to identify an emotion. Beep boop. Everyone here is traumatized. Um, so I think you might have cut out there for a second. Uh, no, I just said that's fun and, and kind oh. of esteem. Uh, but yeah, no, it was probably about 50-50. They gave me the hard plot beats and then just let me leave from there. If I can derail on the Krenko post oh, point for a second. <laughs> um, you are one of the more, we do have a significant number of very, very tuned in uh, authors who mm -hmm. at least are in the server, if not actively monitoring stuff outside of the server more than is your contractual obligation as an uh -huh. author for magic story um do you find that kind of response to be regardless of how joking the krenko uh, upset is like that kind of response to be off-putting for any kind of future assignments like there are certain not comfort characters but characters who people really really insist on a consistent characterization for or would be upset if they took a wrong turn, etc., where you might not be the most thrilled about it. Uh, it partially depends on how accessible that character's lore is. You know, if I can get everything that's been written about them and have it where I can reference it and make sure that I'm actually calling back accurately to, uh, to various characterization beats, I do not care. Um, you know, I have written for my least favorite characters at Marvel. I've written for my favorites. I'm fine. Uh, the issue becomes when it's something where I would have to try to track down 90 articles or possibly pay Jay cash money to be certain that I have found all of the available characterization beats that I might get yelled at for. Uh, don't worry. Jay will tell you Krenko lore for free. 
Oh, I am very aware of that fact. Yeah. And you've already written Jace, and you've done it. You know, you've you've appeased the Jace lovers, so I think that you're, like that you're good boy. on that end. I love Jace. I might have to eat him. Yeah, yeah Jace was Jace was the character I was thinking about primarily, but I think both Jace and Liliana have um, more passionate fans. Well, Jace <laughs> disproportionately. Okay, so Jason Liliana, um, they do have more passionate fans, but at the same time, uh, they have also had more occasions in the canon where they have done absolutely terrible bullshit. They have not hit my girl Nahiri's level of let's have a genocide for Tuesday, but they, they have just done terrible, terrible things. So their fans are a little more resigned to the fact that maybe the Blorbo from their shows is occasionally going to be the bad guy. Uh, You know, also, you know, as you pointed out, it is IP work. I, one of the downsides of working as fast as I do uh, is that if I'm not working, I am like a border collie that has been put on crate rest. I literally start climbing the walls and dismantling things with a screwdriver if I am not given words to write. Um, and sometimes this results in my editors threatening to trank dart me. So the chance that I would turn anything down because I was afraid of the fans are extraordinarily slim. I might not be super excited to take on some characters, but I will do my damnedest to make sure that never shows in the work and we'll just move from there. Yeah. It's, it's part of, um, part of the work for hire, uh, God, I hate the word professionalism, but like when you're writing, when you're doing IP work, like part of the job is writing the characters that you have to write. Uh, Mm -hmm. And regardless of your feelings about those characters, I have certainly had to write characters that I do not enjoy as people or as characters. Uh, And sometimes that's just the capitalism of it. Yeah. And, you know, part of the job is also sometimes writing the characters you love in ways that you do not agree with. (laughs) I I got into a glorious fight um, during Phyrexia All Will Be One over the idea of Nahiri hiding a zombie bite effectively. Because for all of her flaws, and much as I love her, I admit she is flawed all to hell, Nahiri never struck me as the character that would hide the zombie bite. And we found a middle ground between that and uh, and actually just saying, okay, guys, I'm a Phyrexian, now run, that I think worked really well. Uh-huh. That is why it is important to be willing to do what must be done, but to also advocate for the characters. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Nuance in many things, actually, is, is the way to go. Yeah, there, yeah, well, and just like, there's a... Uh... There have been definitely situations where I have been writing a character or, or knew I was going to be writing for a character and uh, looked at what I thought fan response would be or fan expectation would be. And sometimes it can be very daunting. The first time I had to write Tybalt, um, I had I was I was very conscious of um what the community thought of Tybalt because you know for, when I was working on War of the Spark for Arena the Tybalt really hadn't been in any lore oh, we, yeah. we had basically no actual published material of the Planeswalker that was the prime um, time for a Tybalt just chaos gremlin lore where it was just like right. the most we have is like fan comics of him pissing off Soren, and that's 
That was kind of the character. We also had that kind of characterization with Tamiyo for a while, and then that got dispelled upon her first story appearance. I I personally, in the content creator space before I was contracting with Watsi, had contributed to a lot of Tybalt memes. Uh, (laughs) When I had a weekly webcomic, Tybalt was maybe the character I wrote the most. Uh, Because he's goofy and fun, and the community really adopted him in that way. So having to write him and being like, okay, this is how the community sees this character. Uh, And from like a professional standpoint, how does the corporation want to present this character? Mm -hmm. Uh, How do we negotiate this? And that's, you know, part of the writer's job is to figure all that crap out. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, we had... uh, even Tybalt, the, the second time around, was, um, uh, for Kaldheim, it was his big villain set. Like, Tybalt was going to be a main set villain. Um, and how does that intersect with his meme status in the community? Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes the reality of the situation is that you just have to ignore community memory because yep. that's not the essence of character. <laughs> and sometimes... You have to uh, think about what fans enjoy about a character or like about a character or project onto a character or infer from a character and say, no, you're wrong. Um, Fans don't like to hear this, but sometimes they are just wrong about things. Yep. And sometimes when you write that fan favorite character, you chuck him off a bridge. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I I was about to say, I think uh, there have been like three total people who have written Tybalt in Magic Story and it's Sean and Lorelai in arena lines and uh, Roy Graham. And that's that's about it. Uh, and yeah. um, and Vita uh, ILF oh, for yeah. the comic, the Chandra comic. Oh, oh yeah. the Chandra well, comics. comics. Uh, and Vita is a joy and a delight. I love uh, Big agree. We um, worked on Age of X-Men together. Oh, nice. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're they're great. Um, I will say not to derail us even further <laughs> the the original avison restored panel at pax i believe one of the pax events um had i believe jeremy jarvis at the time talking about what was their intention in creating tybalt as a character mm-hmm. and like the only point he really made was like we wanted like an armani wearing planeswalker and i'm like what are you even talking about? Like that it like the character wasn't in the story. There wasn't an ongoing story necessarily yeah. being actively promoted at the time. So it didn't matter at the time, but that's just like the baffling gap between like what was said about this character at the start, the wide gulf between then and the reappearance and then him actually appearing in a story. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, no, there are many cats. I have people coming through my house uh, right now. To see cats, and uh, the small child is going cats, cats. <laughs> that's what great. I do. I know, right? I see a cat. I point and say cat. That's that's just that's that's the that's the protocol. Yep. I I find that what helps is usually if I can focus on one person that truly loves that character yeah. and just write directly for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I do that a lot too. I I figure out who who is the audience like. Who do I have in mind that I'm trying to please with this? Yeah. Know, besides my bosses. Um, I can't please sometimes everyone. Sometimes it is them. But yeah. if I write Liliana in a way that actively displeases Kyra, she's likely to show up at my house. 
So <laughs> uh, she would, she will get your shins. Yes. Yeah. I will write Liliana um, always to please Kyra and she, she writes um, Tyvar to please me. So, you know, everybody's winning. Yeah, that that is that is definitely one of the things that helps me a lot when writing. Uh, and uh, and sometimes that person honestly is myself. Uh, mm -hmm. When I write Kyora, which uh, rest in peace, my my sweet sea angel, I don't get to write you anymore because you're not a planeswalker. Um, anytime I write Kyora, I'm writing her for me. Mm -hmm. um, and editors will wrangle me into some kind of presentable form for that character. But uh, I, I am aiming to make myself happy. She is my absolute favorite. Uh, okay. And uh, sometimes that's what you have to do. Uh <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and I, I do feel like we're missing a Zendikar Planeswalker. Like, if you look at what's manifested on Zendikar, we've got Kiora, well, yeah. Nahiri, and Nissa. And they all got desparked. Firewalker, because they're all pure elementalists. So there should be a fire-themed Zendikar planeswalker. Well, one married into the plane, but I don't think it really, <laughs> I don't think it really counts. I, I, I don't think that counts. But maybe her attraction to Chandra is partially Nissa trying to rectify a uh, an imbalance in the plane. Nahiri <laughs> through big genocides, Nissa does it through fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord um so this is i i think a really good time for magic story honestly and i think part of it is these i mean like these conversations we're having right now about these characters and there's such a wonderful like world of magic right now lots of characters that people have fallen mm -hmm. in love with lots of stories that people have fallen in love with um first of all just thank you so much for what you've done for magic story uh phyrexia all will be one and uh now murders at Karlov manor were both huge huge hits family game night of course was a big success for the march of the machine side stories um i think that we've had such a wonderful group of authors who've come through and written for magic story mm -hmm. um and so like part of my thought is and we've had these conversations a lot on the discord on i think on the podcast before but i was just curious murders at carl of manor was like hugely successful there was a lot of engagement a lot of people were saying it's like their favorite story or one of their favorite stories um what do you think we can learn from murders at carl of manor or just in general from the world as it is and you as such a prolific as we mentioned nine book in one year author but also just a word <laughs> but also award-winning and things of that sort. What do you think that Magic Story can be doing to help ensure that future entries are as successful or more successful or grow in the future? Because, I mean, I do think yeah. part of what helped with Murders at Karlov Manor is we had this ongoing murder mystery. We had a reason for people to keep coming back and keep engaging. And there mm -hmm. are, that's where we're going to have an opportunity to do that. But I don't think we can expect it to be built into every single set because not every story sustains that. Uh, the, the greater length helped a lot uh, because one of the things that makes people invest in your story is caring about the characters. And I love the Vorthos community. I love all of us. I am part of the Vorthos community. Like I'm, I'm not casting any, but there are not enough of us. We need to be able to have the space to make people that aren't already at the party understand why they should care about these characters. 
And that is part of what having more room on Murders at Karlov Manor did for us. Having those 10 episodes meant we could fit in the character work. You ask a Marvel fan why they love the X-Men, they don't usually say, oh, because of that one time that Wolverine punched a god. Um, they say, because I read them playing baseball when I was 11. Yeah. Because of the slumber parties, because Kitty Pride takes ballet lessons. And those moments aren't what sell a comic, but they are what makes a fan. And they're what keeps you. So I think we need to keep having more space. And part of getting that more space is getting people to click because that tells wizards that, you know, we're worth money and they people should keep giving us budget. Important. Everyone I know that is currently working on Magic Story genuinely cares about Magic Story. And I'm not casting any shade on previous authors. I don't know them all personally. They are not my Rolodex. But everyone who's here now cares. Um, to the extent that I have seen people, myself included, say, nope, that is not a story that is meant for me to write. Because it is not, it either doesn't fit my particular writing style or it's not a plane where I deserve to be the dominant voice in the fiction. Mm-hmm. It's important to continue. Um, you you cannot force outside of contractual obligation engagement, but I think it also helps to have things like the Vorthos cast bringing the authors on and engaging them and keeping people interested in the story through sidelong manners. Um, and that's not contractual and that's not really predictable. Uh, for Murders at Karlov Manor, I got real bored and didn't have enough to do. So I did DVD extra breakdowns for every single episode over on my blog. Um, and that actually did drive a lot of people to story, provably from distinct hits on my website because I was able to take that time to kind of give the planar guide story by story to people who Mm -hmm. are of mine, but are not necessarily pre-existing fans of magic story. I would love it if wizards could do something like that officially, rather than it being something that the author was doing or not doing in their own time and just go, you know, here's the pop-up video guide to Ravnica. Because we have to remember, we're not the entire community, and and there aren't enough of us to keep this going without help. Yeah. I mean, that was the issue I was running into updating my site, because I have a where to start with Magic Story Mm -hmm. page on there. And how do I tell people to get into Ravnica? Like, they, they can know these characters, but do I tell them to read the original trilogy plus the three secretist novels plus return to ravnica do i tell them to read war of the spark not really because like well there's some stuff from there vitsugazi is pretty important maybe i should include that it, it's just like i can't piecemeal kind of bullet point here's everything you should know about ravnica because i want them to care about the characters right. and not just the plot beats of what has happened on ravnica and, well, and even, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no, you can go ahead. I was going to say, even that, you know, talking about any of this, you always run into the person that says magic story hasn't been good since the weatherlight. Magic story. Hasn't <laughs> been I, those people have found me. They like to tell me that magic story is bad. Um, to which I respond, would you like to see my Hugo Awards? You know, which is about the only time you'll see me being, see, see me being that kind of, of snarky. But, um, Shauna, I appreciate you. <laughs> I thank you. I appreciate <laughs> me too. I also appreciate you, but I, I try not to be that degree of mean girl. It's yeah, not, yeah. um, but if you tell me that I suck, I will cheerfully tell you about all the people who have that I don't. 
Um, but if you go back to, as I, I know many of you have gone back to those early stories, I've read them. They are not good to win. <laughs> like they, they may be good in your estimation as works of fiction, but they are not good to women um, and they are not generally good to people of color and they are definitely not good to queer people. And I grew out of reading fantasy where I was a reward for a dude who did something awesome when I was 13. Oh, I am. Uh, I, I am a very loud and well-known Weatherlight Saga hater um, for most of those same reasons. Yeah, but it's. If we want new people, we need to make it the entry barrier as low as possible. And we need to make it possible for them to come in without being told you have to read the Weatherlight Saga. Otherwise, you're not a true fan. Yeah. And I exempt you from anything where Urza is alive and the main character. Oh, (laughs) I I, I had to work on Brothers War. Uh, I was I wrote for the card set and uh, that was a set. Jay and I were both on that and we're like. Nobody knows anything about this story. Nobody how cares. Do, how the hell are we supposed to write for this? Set? It, was, it was so impactful. You see, the brothers fought, and then one of them won, and that, <laughs> that is legitimately like the extent. Like there is a there are a handful of people who go very very deep into the lore, but for the most part, it is broad strokes and kind of yeah yeah glorifying. I won't say the summarizations or the MTG wiki kind of recaps of the events, but that's genuinely what it feels like a lot of the time because there can't be that many people still around and active in the game who liked the Weatherlight story. And I mean, a lot of them proclaim they don't play the card game anymore, but they're still around in the story circles for this long, just saying the same thing over and over again. And it's like, bro, we've aged out of that era long time ago. We've adapted to web fiction. We've tried our hands at other things. Uh, You wrote for comics that Magic did excellent with. And it is just baffling because I think the comics in particular are where the the story has shined through the strongest it is baffling to just paint it all with a broad stroke there is nuance there it hasn't always been sunny days for the Vorthos community but like it's doing pretty damn good absolutely i, I want to step in and just say for a moment that i uh i've been on this podcast for you know four year anniversary just passed um been been involved in the Vorthos community for a long time. I think people would say I'm a fan of Magic Story. Uh, I have never read the Weatherlight novels, and I have no intention to. Like you don't need to. I, I don't. I have no desire and no intention to read them, and I don't think that makes me any less of a fan. Um, so for those of you listening out there who think, "Oh, I'm only a real Vorthos if I read the old stuff," you you're fine. I promise. Oh, believe me. <laughs> Even the non-Weatherlight old stuff doesn't age well. So. Yeah. I mean, like, there is some good old stuff out there, but, like, it's it's not that. I know of at least three people who have done completionist recaps of Magic Story since the beginning, and none of them particularly said, like, oh, this is more than Pulp Fiction, because a lot of it wouldn't be even remembered online if it didn't have the Magic the Gathering name tied to it. And And it's also, even the stuff that's good, look. I shill for really old stuff that I love in this game. Um, but none of it's relevant. I am going to talk about Distant Planes in like every episode. Look, I just worked it in. Um, and 
you you don't have to read like i'm talking about advanced stuff that i enjoy it is so irrelevant to what's happening in magic today uh and uh i think i think like the forward looking perspective is is good for magic story uh and character focus so like to (laughs) i guess to tie a little bow on some of the themes of this episode uh the the kaya tyvar stuff is character building it is relationship building Mm -hmm. characters you know i care less that somebody knows all the plot points jace has been a part of i care that someone appreciates jace and Braska's interactions mm-hmm. that someone appreciates that kaya and tyvar have these friendships uh that appreciate uh liliana's dry sarcasm uh character moments like that character vibes like that for me um and for magic story just feel like so much more important than like trying to onboard plot beat summaries yeah, um, I won't say like so, I won't say Renan to Fury, but like that's pretty high up there. Yeah, hi Shannon, who wrote <laughs> Renan to Fury. No, no, it is it is important that we remember that they have those interactions and those relationships. Yeah, but back to the X Men, which is actually a fairly comparable uh, franchise in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. We run into what I've always called the Scott Summers problem. Where if you force yourself to take into account every single panel of every single X-Men comic, you can't let anything go. Uh, not not saying that it's not canon, but that all oh, we all have to accept that this happened as written. Scott Summers is a dick. He did things 30 years ago that at the time were perfectly mm-hmm. acceptable, but we now know we're not. Yeah. And it's like, well, what characterization do you want him to have? Because if you mm-hmm. want him to be the heroic good guy that you're saying he is... He can't have done those things. Our modern sensibilities won't allow it. So how are we going to deal? You don't deal with a full retcon. You just kind of quietly ignore that thing. Yeah, like Forsaken. (laughs) Well, you said it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's it's also just like, I mean, that's just like the real world reality of IP work is that things shift over time and your art shifts with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, comics have found a lot of ways to reinvent characters and keep them fresh. And, uh, part of, part of what I enjoy about comics is that, um, there is the sense, uh, a lot of it has a sense of, you know, pick and choose and read the things that have the things that you enjoy don't worry, you know, don't get too caught up in, oh, I need to follow all the lines over 30 years to understand what's happening. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the comics that lean into embracing that, I find a lot more successful um, right. and enjoyable. And uh, yeah. You know, and as we talk about community engagement, we do need to remember that the community is big and diverse. I've yep. seen a lot of people uh, complaining about losing Tessa's boob window. As a lesbian, <sighs> I love Tessa's boob window. <laughs> a girl who grew very large breasts very early and played magic from the age of 14 on, 
I would not want to be a 15-year-old girl sitting across from a boy playing a boob window card, knowing how that is going to immediately translate into physical interaction, but not necessarily touching, but just the things that were already said, the behaviors. So yeah, we Mm -hmm. sexualize the cards a little bit because it's for people 13 and up. And I will give up every boob window in magic to protect that 14-year-old girl from hearing the sort of stuff that I heard at the table. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The universe of magic doesn't get to exist in a vacuum outside of the culture of magic as a game. Yeah. Which is... Yeah, exactly. Uh, And also speaking as a lesbian, I'm like, she still has all the facial piercings. Like, come on, that's good (laughs) stuff. You're getting good stuff still. And just like Earthbind, the original art still exists, I can look at Tasa's boob window all I want without needing to slap it down on a table. She's dead. (laughs) I mean, she she is dead. dead. I did not expect to enjoy writing her nearly as much as I did. Like, I I got started, I'm going, oh, this lady, I don't... Oh, crap, I love this lady. Why has she got to be dead? Okay. (laughs) She's from the Ghost film. I think if you had told me that you didn't think you were going to enjoy writing her, I would have laughed at you and said, okay, let me know what you think when you're finished. And uh, yeah, no, taste is great. Yeah, given that I'm not shy about the fact that Tyvar was my least favorite part going into Phyrexia all one. Uh, yeah, that was kind of predictable. I I think a lot about uh, Allison Lurz's taste. Uh, two stories? Was it two Carrie, you well, can Allison's probably fact check me. freaking delightful, no matter what she does. Yeah, um, but uh, that, Allison's Tesa writing was phenomenal, and I was like really sad we didn't get to see a lot of Tesa in the War of the Spark year of Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm very glad that you got to write her. Uh, she's great. Uh, thanks, thank you for the uh, toxic Orshav Yuri. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Tesa's monologue in episode ten may be my favorite. Thing magic date oh lordy i just looked at our runtime uh we gotta start winding things yeah. down here <laughs> and wrapping things up okay that time caught me off guard i don't have a good segue out of this uh shannon uh <laughs> let, let shannon plug all of her books there are yeah, a lot of them. Sean, what what do you what do you have out recently a, soon yeah this is a really light year for me i only have books out it's wonderful um so uh just Last Tuesday, two days ago, the paperback edition of Backpacking Through Bedlam came out. And mm-hmm. this month is Aftermarket Afterlife, uh, which is the next book in my encrypted series. Uh, and then this past January, the most recent Wayward Children book came out. It is not the last Wayward Children book. Uh, we are still going, probably forever, because I really enjoy paying my mortgage. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that is... Oh, and I've got... Um, Oh, no, I, that hasn't been announced. So I've got stuff going. Uh, I'm mostly on Blue Sky these days, though I'm still on Twitter for cat pictures because I haven't been able to figure out how to make Blue Sky work with my phone. Uh, Blue Sky did just open up for everybody. You no longer need an invite to join. So if you want to get on social media um, that isn't Twitter, uh, Blue Sky is now joinable, folks out there. I am yeah, also I mean, on there. I'm I'm on Blue Sky. I, I can't leave twitter until they shut it down i wish i could but i can't same uh i i was literally logged into aol instant messenger when it shut down in my same. last group chat and we all stood there saluting uh it was surreal uh i am i am that way probably about twitter unless it gets like we'll see how horrible it gets before it dies 
I think uh, it or, or when it kicks so the bucket. But several years ago, my best friend in the entire world died. Um, she was my cat. So that's a very difficult social minefield to navigate. People don't really want to deal with cat quite that hysterically. And mm -hmm. the place where everyone just went, no, we're sorry with you. We're sad with you. She was here. She was real. She mattered was Twitter. So I can't believe mm -hmm. because that is the archive of the world grieving Alex with me. Mm -hmm. Interactions are great. Relationships are great. Connections with other people is great. Um, if, if that is the thought, that we are going to leave this episode on. I think that's a good thought. That's I think thought. Uh, it's uh we can, we can stand there with Kaya who loses someone important to her and also remembers the people that are still around that are important to her. And that is a beautiful segue. I'm going to yeah, great. Nailed it. Uh, now uh, give us money. <laughs> um. <laughs> Look, that's what Tesa would like, right? <laughs> that is, that is the best memorial you can set up for Tesa Karloff <laughs> is to either back the Vorthos cast Buy one of my books or both. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you enjoy our show uh, and uh, would like us to keep making it, you can head to uh, patreon.com slash the Uh Your support goes a long way to uh, helping keep... People always say keep the lights on. We don't have any lights that need to be kept on, but we do have things to pay for. And uh, do we uh, have a fancy panel at uh, MagicCon Chicago in a couple weeks? Uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday? 11 a.m. Saturday. Keep About a bunch of criminals on. in the multiverse uh, leading into Thunder Junction. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, Shannon, thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Uh, it is always a delight to have you here. Thanks for uh, having you're, me. You're... Always happy to come. Yeah, uh, so uh, we're done. We're done. Everyone go home. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos cast. Yay, good night. Good night.